Good morning, Mr. Scott. This is your automated co-host callback service informing you that your co-host, John Fox, is on the line and ready to begin broadcasting. Oh, these bloody shit systems. They never tell you what to press next. (laughs) (laughs) I hope you got that. I hope so. (laughs) How are you, sir? I'm dandy. How are you? I am dandy dandy. So wow, with all the standiness. Well, gosh, I, I didn't even know where to begin. So I, you know, since I've I've been I've been taken to just talking my face off and and savaging our poor listeners. Maybe we'll let you get started and talk a little bit. But just in case not, I'm at the ready. Go ahead. You, you, so talk. you are telling me you entertain. You do have something prepared, don't you? I no, I don't have anything prepared. I'm just prepared. <laughs> You're just prepared to talk. Yeah, okay. That is. That, I just, I just want to make sure that we don't give any inaccurate information out here, and we are, uh, and we, we do stuff that yeah, we do. We, we make sure we're very upfront about it. Hmm. Uh, so what has happened this week? Well, I've I've pushed the button, and uh, I'm going to ask you a question actually, because I've pushed the button and ordered three MacBook Pro laptops for the uh, for us all at the company. Um, oh, wow. After uh, so, you know, reasonable expense going on there. So Wait, after lots of deliberation, I have to ask though: is is that the greatest amount of computing power that has appeared in East Bollockshire since a package of, T- of Texas Instruments cattle calculators fell off the back of a tractor by accident? It is probably a good chance that that is true. Yes, I'm, I'm going to let you believe that. Anyway, you know, we're here in Hicksville, and. Um, and yeah, so all of those. In the end, we went for the M1 Pros, not the M1 Max, because after waiting for the reviews and everything, you know, it does appear that the performance gains, uh, there is no performance gain on CPU intensity stuff for, for the M1 Max, even with the double um, memory bandwidth. It's only in the GPU stuff, which I guess if you're doing graphics or you're doing um, uh uh, machine learning, which obviously is GPU based, often than uh, there. So we just really, you know, it's another two hundred pounds, two hundred and fifty dollars, whatever it is that you know, just you know, why why spend when you don't need to? Mm. But we did go, we did go for the thirty-two gig of RAM, and uh, you know, the big thing that made us, um, uh, you know, uh, hesitate over the order first was you had to decide between space gray and silver. So two of us went for silver, and one went for space gray. Mm. So we are a div- we are a divided company. But there we are. So uh, the order is in, and now um, from the moment we pressed buy, the Intel laptops that we've been working on just felt even slower than they have done before. Hmm. Well, but at least your heating bill is going down, and that's probably helpful. There, there's a gas shortage, isn't there, in the UK and in the rest of Europe? So all you have to do is keep your 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 laptops running. It. Yeah, let me say that that's that's the myth. There is there is no shortage of gas in the UK. There is a shortage of delivery drivers to deliver the gas ah. to certain to certain outlets. Uh, certain companies are struggling to get drivers to be able to drive the delivery lorries to their garages, but other garages have plenty. No, no. But then, of course, I... there, be, there becomes there becomes a shortage because everybody thinks there's a shortage and goes out and sticks an extra twenty dollars worth in the tank, whether they need it or not. Meaning all the normal just-in-time supply lines now dry up because everyone's buying more, and everyone thinks, "Oh, there's a shortage. I better go buy more." No, no, I meant natural gas. Oh, yeah. Well, I think. Um, yeah, I have no idea. Yes, for everyone. So the prices, who knows? I have no idea how they work this out. The prices, you know, surely it costs the same today as it did yesterday to mine gas, and yet the prices change all the time. You know, 
Capitalism, John, does it really work? There's the there's the topic for. Our... Oh my God! Well, the, the answer is it works. It show. works amazingly well for some people, but unlikely to be you and me. <laughs> yes. Yes, we're just not on that exclusive list. Anyway, so uh, uh, that's that's probably the, the tech highlights, and it's been good watching all the reports come back in of people who are really pleased with their machines, and you get the normal postings of people saying, you know, it's a third faster than it used to be before, and and, and whatever else. But you know, at the end of the day, it's as nice as these new laptops are. I mean, my last laptop is coming up for it's just over three years old. Um, that I'm replacing, but it's it's like, yes, it feels slow compared to an M1, but most of the time it doesn't. It's not slow enough that 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 it means it's unusable. It's now it's it's you know, if you didn't see a comparison, you would not be saying, oh, it's really too slow. So uh, yeah, I, 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 this is a big step in power up and a big step in speed up, but I guess we probably get used to incremental upgrades now. And the reality is we probably all just bought machines that realistically can keep us going for four or five years. So let's see. Although we'll all buy them a new one in a year's time, but they could keep us going for four or five <laughs> years. So that's the, that's, the, that's the Apple press the button highlight. And I'll tell you what, I also bought this week, we bought our laptops through the Apple business program, not because... Um, they're any cheaper because there's obviously no discount. Some occasion you can get discounts for Apple Business Program if you spend enough money, um, because these are all so in demand and whatever else. There's no discounts on them yet. But it was you know, basically to get you know this ten thousand pound credited against our business account because it will make us get more you know availability of things in the future. But we could not spend our DTK voucher through the Apple Business Program. Ah. So here we are because they couldn't go with it because it can only be applied directly to the store in, in on the website, whatever else. And that's expiring at the end of the year. So I also bought today two entry-level iPads um, for various reasons to use around the place because after looking at it, I decided, well, really, based on usage, um, what we do and all the rest of it, the 300 buck entry-level one is a mighty fine piece of equipment that does the job that we need it to do. And so purchased a couple of those on my DTK um, uh, voucher. So it's been a day of giving Apple lots of money. Well, as an AAPL shareholder, I thank you, Scotty, for your service. Well, I am a, an AAPL shareholder as well, but I think I own three. So hmm. <laughs> it's, it's I, I'm not going to make myself rich, that's for sure. Hmm. Uh, so anyway, so that's uh, that's been the administrative side of the day. What have I been doing this week? I'll tell you what, why don't I let you talk next and then I'll come back to what I've been doing this week after that. So, John, what amazing things have you been doing this week? Well, it, it started off, you know, feeling amazing until I was I had just gotten to the office on the shuttle. I was just kind of unpacking my laptop and realizing that I had to rush to get into uh, kind of one of these isolation booths that we have at the office now. So I can be in a meeting without having to take up a conference room, without having to speak loudly and, and disturb my, my stunning colleagues. And just as I was doing that, I noticed that I had an out-of-memory error and I had a choice of, uh, you know, of which applications to kill, <laughs> the top example of which was, was Chrome, <laughs> which was like sucking RAM like, I, I don't want to come up with a vulgar discussion, a vulgar image to put in people's heads. Um, but uh, it, it, I, you know, 
I definitely ran out of memory. I definitely kind of cursed myself for not having looked more carefully and have wondered why, you know, 16 gigabytes is, is, is even, a, you know, a, an option for, for this laptop. And I guess I suppose I understand, but, you know, maybe it shouldn't have been the, the first selected option that like, you know, if you want less RAM that you should, you should purposely do that and get a discount rather than, than, I don't know. I'm sure there's all sorts of psychology about the pricing and decisions that are made into it that, that affected it. But mm-hmm. so I actually, 16 gig, 16 gig is plenty for people who aren't doing big developer builds or video or whatever yeah. else. But I guess as these are pro laptops, right there, maybe oh. maybe that's the, the, the default thing. So, yeah, maybe maybe 32 should have been the default. Yeah. But there you are. Apple's memory prices is an extra it's extra it's extra 400 pounds, extra 200 pounds for the extra 16 gig. I don't know. It's yeah. some complete and utter ripoff, whatever it was. Yeah. Yeah, so that's the thing. And so actually, out of curiosity, I spent some time speaking, you know, using the the business chat feature to see, you know, what my options were. Because you can, you can, you know, return a laptop and, if, and you can, you know, basically say you want you to be happy. And so it's like, you know, uh, I said, ideally, what I would like to do is just exchange it. I want to give you more money, but I want to get just the device. And unfortunately, it's not really possible right now because there's nowhere anywhere that has, you know, any machines that you would want that, that you just can't find them for love and money, such as their demand. So I've kind of like, you know, I think where we concluded last time is that eventually I will be able to live with it. So, I mean, this, you know, this thing forced me into examining my life and also examining my browser. And it's, it's a, it's a strange thing. I, you know, I, you know, I used to build web apps and, and, and knew the intricacies and followed the, the browser and the standard towards very closely when I was doing cappuccino development. I've long since kind of stopped. Um, but I've now come to realize that with, with web assembly and, 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 and deploying modern web apps, things like Figma and, 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 and the like, uh, you know, none of these super advanced web apps run without the most advanced APIs, and 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 a lot of them are basically are advanced because they give a, a web app access to the file system, access to you know low level hardware, access to to be able to basically run things uh, with absolutely similar performance to compiled apps because effectively they are with WebAssembly. Um, but that also you know raises all sorts of security you know, issues and Safari's basically position is like, nope, 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 nope. Whereas Google is like, sure, absolutely. No problem. Do anything you want. In fact, we want lots of people doing lots of different things and and we want to be able to kind of take a look at the data that's going through the pipes in some, in some fashion. Um, And so as a result for a lot of modern environments, you, you can't really use Safari, but that doesn't necessarily mean you have to use Chrome as I've come to understand because there's Brave, which is a Chromium browser, which, you know, has a a similar performance profile, but doesn't let you do things, you know, doesn't, doesn't share some of the other potentially negative aspects of, of, of Google uh, Chrome. And so I, I tried starting to use it, and it's amazing kind of how how tricky it becomes once you step off the paved path a little bit. But it, it's a combination of I, 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 I found that I'm having fewer, you know, I haven't had an out-of-memory issue since, and I've been mostly been able to, to run the same apps without issue. You know, I've been able to use Google Hangouts um, effectively because you can't really use it as well in Safari. And, and um, But one of the things I did notice is that it's, the 16 gigabyte memory limit that I have right now 
probably will get better when more apps actually optimize themselves. It's just what you said. And so I'm, I'm hoping that's the case because I'm going to be living with this laptop for a while. But it is very interesting that one of the problems, even with the, the Google Chrome app, is you start a, a, you join a Hangout and you realize that your screen is completely black, but you hear the audio of other people. So other people can see you looking, staring like an idiot at your laptop, wondering why the, the picture hasn't developed impatiently, like a, a kid shaking a, a Polaroid picture, hoping to make it develop faster. And it's it's wild. It's absolutely wild. So it will all settle down. But that's been my experience. Um, but I, I have a rant to go on, but I want to pass it back to you before I go on my rant. Yeah, that's interesting, because lots of people complain about Chrome, but to be honest, I've never really had an issue with it. Did you, um, when you downloaded Chrome, because interestingly, the Chrome webpage now um, says, do you want the Intel version or the M1 version? Um, did you did you specifically download the M1 version, or did you do a, um, uh, did you do a, uh, What's it called? Migration assistant, which copied it across for you. I, uh, I, I did. That's an excellent point. I hope that's as simple as that. But I've also, since I've upgraded, and I'd be kind of, well, I don't know. I, I would be, <laughs> I think the general theme of this is like, John, don't trust people to do the right things. Because wouldn't you kind of imagine that an updating, a software updating mechanism might notice that, <laughs> that a new version, you know, <laughs> If that's the case, that will be great. I, that would be very, very happy. Um, well, I mean, I'm not saying it makes any difference, but, I mean, they do, when you go to the Chrome page and it identifies you on a Mac, it says, would you like to download this for M1 Macs or Intel Macs? And I would imagine that the update process is going to keep you on the same yeah, I guess so. tool chain and not, not you know, change the architecture underneath for you. So if you use Migration Assistant, you, you know, you could be running a Rosetta version or whatever else, and that might be it. But, yeah, I've never, but that said... I've never had massive Chrome issues on any any device, but then again, I always buy shitloads of memory for my devices, so maybe that's why I don't ever notice it because I make sure. You know, I've been working with 32 gig on virtually everything. For oh no, I've got a couple of laptops here with 16 on. Uh, then again, I don't really heavily use Chrome on those. So yeah. anyway, there we are. It's uh, there we are. You're using tools that are you know inefficient, and you know you should. Oh, it must be Wednesday. We must be recording because the dog's barking. Yeah, well, um, <laughs> prior to that, while you were talking about machine learning, the cat was having a, a grand old time, so. Um, all right, well. <laughs> it's, it's, don't worry, the, do the pigs and the sheep and everything will start soon. You know what's happening now? This is like Animal Farm is happening. It's like they're, a whole, they're calling a meeting. <laughs> it's like Beasts of England, Beasts of Ireland, Beasts of... <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Uh, right. Yes, that's um, there we are. So yeah, so basically, you've been having uh, laptop woes as we uh, uh, through the week as uh, we carry on. But but overall, other than other than Chrome, are you pleased with your purchase still? No, no, I, I totally am. I mean, and again, and just to, to to make things clear, it's like I think as the the hardware aspects of it, I think the look and feel, of the screen is 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 just delicious. The 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 you know, the 1080p front-facing camera makes me look even more beautiful uh, when I'm on 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 video hangout. Um, the keyboard is 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 a true improvement. So all those things are are, are great. And 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 yes, the compile times are definitely wildly better. So I, I take your point about yes, the fastest machine possible that you could get three years ago is still plenty damn fast now. It's just that we all become a little bit impatient. But 
I think this is the this is the kernel of truth to take away away from it. It's like as more processor and ma- as more memory becomes made available, particularly to developers, then they they tend to get a little bit sloppy. Or you know, I think that's the case. There is the the famous you know uh, uh, story about Avi Tavanian at 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 Apple when he joined from Next. He like made sure that that when they were working, at, you know, first of all at at Next when they were working to port uh, to Intel the average Intel computer didn't have anywhere near the, the processing power and particularly the graphics capabilities of, of advanced workstations. So he kind of purposely got slower machines for less, less powerful machines for developers so they would be forced to, to, to optimize early and often. And I think sometimes that that's, that's been lost on us because we always figure out it's like, ah, it's a problem for Ram. I mean, just it's, it's still the thought of having 32 gigabytes of Ram is, is, pretty amazing and and now and that's of course that's old news and now everybody should be having 64 so you, you ultimately should have the entire data and and processing capability of of amazon east on your laptop or your peasant but anyway um i did want to to, to rant about something may i do that now uh yeah i'll okay. let you have another go thank you okay so um Good old friend of, of the show, good old friend of mine. It was very interesting. Uh, Stuff MC, you remember Stuff MC? Um, I know, do. Yes. And so he pinged me on Twitter um, where he was saying, hey, I went to Netflix.com slash environmental and got a 404. So surely that must be an error because I wanted to, you know, I wanted to to find out an Apple style environmental impact report for Netflix. And, um, and then he says, you know, Jembe, any clue? And, you know, I, I said, absolutely. And then and because that is something that, that that's much discussed in the company and in public about the environmental impact of, of, of streaming, because I do remember some number of years ago, you know, being discussions like, oh, my God, Netflix is bringing 4K video to the world and the, the polar ice caps are going to melt. Um, and and that always struck me as a little bit weird is because like so that people watching a movie at home on the internet is compared to you know going and driving to or you know and, and otherwise getting to a movie theater you know you can set aside the issues of of access and that networks tend to go further than 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 hard drives and celluloid tend to go um but it, 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 the, the, there was some interesting research about that and it brought up the discussion of you know, what does it take to to do an hour worth of streaming? And of course, that's kind of a loaded question because it, it, it depends on so many different things. But one of the things that Netflix has always done is is push as much data out to the edge as, as, as is possible. It's just good, good for everybody because the less far, you know, the less number of switches and hops that any data packet has to go through, the faster it gets to you. Um, and this is all kind of much discussed in public through something called Open Connect. And it's one of the reasons why you, when you press play on any device in Netflix, it tends to, to work pretty damn well. Um, and so th- that's that's a good thing. But then the question still comes up is like, what does it what what type of energy is is ex, ex, is expended to be able to to move data and, and specifically video streaming? And so there was a bunch of research, research done, and I'll, I'll add the link in the show notes. It's for your friends up in Bristol. Um, and so that then the question came in is like, does it require wildly more energy to, you know, uh, to make a 4K stream versus a standard uh, standard resolution screen stream? And what the research showed is is 
it, it does incredibly require more, but not nearly as much as people said. It's like it, 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 it's a small difference. And then we say, well, that can't be possible. How is that possible? Why is that possible? And it really just came down to the fact that networks, there's a huge amount of infrastructure that, that's required to, to, to turn it on and, and to turn on a data center and to turn on a network operation center once you just turn it on. And it's on all the time. I mean, obviously, you can bring compute clusters on and offline as needed, but essentially, as concerns network, when it's just like the cell phone companies, whether or not you like it or know it, your cell phone is always connected to a tower. You know, it has to be to be able to receive an incoming phone call. So there's some bandwidth that's that's always being used, whether you're using it or not. And then, of course, you you can... You can add more, but it, it, with a wireline internet, with you know, it, it, once you turn it on, it's on. And so, you know, it, it was a very interesting, you know, question that came up. And the hook about it was, is that you know, it's something I care about and something I found interesting. But it, it when I was in making a response, um, I basically had a screenshot of the of of the highlighted text from from the the the, the page that had that discussion. And as I've, I've taken to doing recently, because I, I have love for people who use screen readers, I made sure to add alt text to it because it makes a huge difference. Because if you're having a tweet and you're saying, you know, exhibit A in my tweet is this screen capture or this image, but you don't add an alt tags, then you're leaving people who use screen readers completely out in the, uh, in the dark. But if you add just like a, a couple of words to be able to describe what it is and then maybe even paste some text in there, it just it makes the experience of using a screen reader every bit as lovely as somebody who, who doesn't need to do one. And so I've now become extra more sensitive about that. And I've noticed all the different places on Twitter where where people do things that they may not realize just kills the experience for screen readers. So, you know, one is untagged images, but another one is that's very popular is, is ASCII text art, which you know, because it's pure text, the way it gets read out by voiceover, it just sounds terrible. It's incredibly tedious. It's like as soon as the screen reader hits it, it you just basically want to run screaming because it will be like, you know, you know, comma, backslash, greater than, you know, ask, you know, it, it sounds like you're being cursed at. And some of these more advanced ASCII arts, which are great nostalgia for us graybeards who remember ASCII art from Unix terminals in the in the 80s and 90s. Um, it, it's 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 fun to see them come back, and it's unfortunate that they are deadly for 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 accessibility purposes. But um, that was my little rant for this morning. So, kids, when you tweet, think about people who use screen readers. And I'm going to shut up now. Back to you, Scotty. No, there's always people you should be considering. Always people. So I don't know if you're aware or not, John, but um, uh, this week is um, .NET Conf. I, you know, I knew that there's a reason why I felt this incredible excitement in the back of my mind. <laughs> so wh why do I mention this? Because obviously we're, we're talking about the Mac and, and iOS and, and whatever else. Now, the only reason I mention it is because I've been following .NET a little bit for the last few months because, uh, as I've said before, I'm researching uh, as a business. We're having to decide if we're going to stay totally just within the Apple ecosystem, iPad, you know, uh, iPhone and Mac uh, for our a future product, or are we going to also look at, you know, uh, I, I guess the real question is, is do we start looking for an Android client as well, you know, to, you know, people, and, but if you're then looking at Android, you have to stay done by looking at Windows, but I think, you know, Android is, is the main, the, the main one here, so, you know, we obviously have been investigating cross-platform solutions, now, you know, Electron is, is off of the list <laughs> and whatever else <laughs> so, uh, for various reasons so and and it may be at this time you know as i said i'm not prepared to make any statements on the good or the bad yet or anything else 
and things we've done now. So, but one of yeah, one of the things that has happened to me quite quietly over the last ten years, um, and, and I, I may be in the different circles, it's been very noisy. Is .NET has become a genuinely cross-platform set of tools. Uh, you can write .NET applications for Windows, for Android, for Linux, and for Mac and iOS, um, and they all run as native code. So you can write native C sharp applications across multiple platforms and using uh, the main framework called .NET Core. Um, basically, you write to .NET and it translates you know, on every platform. It translates to the appropriate networking calls or file system calls or, or whatever else. Now, yes, you are. Like all of these things, trusting that they are implementing them right and well and whatever else. But I thought it was just quite quite interesting uh, looking at this. Um, with, the, with the release of .NET 6, which is coming with .NET Conf this week, do you remember Xamarin? Yes. Which uh, Xamarin used to be the mono project initially, which was about initially implementing .NET for, for other platforms, and then Microsoft bought it, and it became Xamarin. Well, all this stuff is now just integrated into .NET, so there is no... And if you want to do cross-platform, it's this and this. .NET is just all cross-platform. And that's all been released this week and tool sets to develop it and, and all the rest of it. So I mentioned it because I find it quite interesting. I find it quite interesting that the multi-platform side, you know, this is the company that produces Windows and want everything to be on Windows. The multi-platform side of .NET is being pushed very hard with it. I mean, as in, you know, everything is a first-class citizen. Uh, in fact, when I was following one of the... Um, uh, the betas on something, Windows was the last to receive support oh, <laughs> on certain funny. things they'd just been adding, which was um, which, which was quite interesting. So hey, I mentioned it because it actually just means there's a whole being like the equivalent of WWDC for, for Microsoft developers. There's a whole bunch of content going up this week on this stuff. So if you are a developer who is uh, considering cross-platform investigations in whatever else, then uh, I'll stick a link in the show notes to the .NET Conf. There may be stuff there. I've not really watched much of it yet. I mean, I've been following blog posts and whatever else, the, you know, the last month, so I knew it was coming. You know, it, this is something to, to look at. And again, if people have experience of um, uh, this stuff, then I would love feedback. Now, uh, there is a... Xamarin had this thing called Forms, which was supposed to be this, like, cross-platform UI where you just did one set of controls. Because the idea behind Xamarin initially, and you could still do this with .NET 6, is you would have common non-UI code, and then you would write very specific UI code for every platform. And effectively, within Xamarin and now in .NET, there is a wrapper for, you know, um, an NS button, a UI button, um, and it, 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 it... so that they're available in .NET, but effectively, if you create a button, you are creating uh, you know the right button for the platform. You have the right properties. Now, obviously, the downside of that's always been is you have to wait for those wrappers to exist because of Apple's sort of licensing issues. They can't always exist early. But you know, I have to say, over the last few years, you know, for example, iOS 13 um, official iOS 13 support in .NET came out the day after iOS 13 was released. So they're pretty been pretty quick um in there i'm not sure if you could have done it beta before that and tried stuff so yeah i'm not sure but then this thing called xamarin forms came out and it means you didn't have to write individual ui this is going more for the electron thing where you could do one and it would try and render the right controls underneath um xamarin forms was always slated to be in very basic um and what dotnet are now uh what microsoft are now doing is replacing that with something called maui which i think is the microsoft uh, anal UI something 
something, yeah, accessible UI, I don't know. But basically the idea is, uh, again, you could create a single uh, a single sort of thing and it generates it all in cross-platform, you know, in the right, using the right controls. That I'm less sure about because, again, it's, there are paradigms. It's not just about whether it uses the button or the right Android button or the right Windows button. There are paradigms in UI. Uh, between Android and, and iOS and whatever else that that, uh, that that make a difference there. So and and that's that's still very much in beta. But I think from the whole point of view of being able to use one tool across all platforms, one set of common libraries, it's something that we're definitely exploring. Um, whether we'll end up there, you know, very early days, don't know. But if anyone else is exploring that, go take a look. I definitely, actually, I will take a look because I have it has piqued my interest a little bit. The whole question about about you know what is native and 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 how things get massive performance you know depending on where they are and and uh, um yeah it, it is kind of tantalizing but i mean i guess so the biggest thing people say is well you've got to embed the dotnet runtime in your application and you know that how can we do that and how can we blah 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 um yeah, and don't get me wrong, embedding a, you know something like that in their application has implications mainly around size. I'm not sure it has massive implications on um, performance, but it does on size. But we spent quite a few years before ABI stability where we were embedding the Swift runtime in all our applications, whether we liked it or not, because that's the only way you could deploy them is by deploying Swift with your application. So, And we demonstrated that our apps work perfectly fine. So... Um, that may have been an issue in the past. There may have been performance in that past, but I think yeah, that is if the downside. There's main one being quoted, I think, is no longer a real downside, and um, it seems to be very actively worked on for performance. So yeah, I'm I'm quite I'm very whether we use it or not. I'm, the whole thing I'm and the way they approach it and the way they advertise it and the amount of documentation there is for it, I'm very impressed. I have one last question about that. Then is there a path to get it to the web? Is there a web assembly you know a target for 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 .NET apps? I'm sure there must be. Uh, I, well, obviously, if you they would say you you write the same back end code. And then you do the front end using whatever has replaced ASP.NET. Is it called Blazor or something? Which is like their their thing. So again, they would say the best way of doing this is to be doing having just common libraries that are used by everything for database access, network access, and then just develop your web UI using whatever the latest um, Microsoft web stuff is. Which I've with the, it's called Blazor, I believe. Um, and um, I, I've looked less into because it's not something we're currently interested in. Although the fact you could do that means we could eventually maybe do a web version of MoneyWell um, without having to write anything other than the UI for it. So, um, yeah, but I, I, I'm less able to answer that question. Okay. Well, I will have to. I will have to to, to look into that just out of, to satisfy my, my my curiosity. Yeah. Now, obviously, the downside at the moment is Visual Studio 2022 has been released, but that's Windows only. But Visual Studio 2022, which allows you to do all this with the Mac as your base machine, uh, should come out early next year. So it's a little early for that. So you can you you know, it's not only you can develop a cross platform, but you can do it from both platforms as well. Well. Anyway, there we are, John. Enough, enough Windows talk from me. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, seeing that that we we have now spent all our time talking about Windows, Scotty, if people want to ask you <laughs> to stop talking about Windows, 
How might they do that? See, I wasn't talking about... I'm going to retract that. I wasn't talking about Windows. I was talking about alternatives for doing Mac and iOS development that open up other platforms that's, to you. Know, that's, so, that's generically John, known as Windows. Okay, there we are. Okay, so... If you want to get hold of me, you can get hold of me on Twitter as Windows Fanboy. Um, <laughs> yeah, really, you can't, you can't say .NET expert Mac DevNet. No. <laughs> uh, see, no, you, if you want to abuse me for my daring to introduce cross-platform stuff to this podcast, you know, um, where normally you would be expecting far more shittier content, uh, <laughs> then please do so at uh, Mac DevNet on Twitter. And John, if people people want to sort of uh, let you know that it's time for you to get rid of me, where should they be doing that? Uh, they should they should send all such requests to Dev Null because never would I ever consider getting rid of you. You made me what I am, Scotty. I was just I was an obscure developer <laughs> oh, when you you, I, you tapped me in and I took this rocket ride to fame as co-host. Of, I developed. There be there be some little memorial plaque to me somewhere in 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 the future, way after my death, in some shitty hole somewhere that's you know where the scum of the earth hang out saying you know we could not let it go by that this is the man that made john fox that we all had to put up with <laughs> but, uh, no I just, oh my god twist the knife all right so let, let's 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 reform and formulate this statement if for those who wish to you know lend support and and uh, a few kind words they can certainly do that on Twitter, where the, you know, which is just full of, of kind words and support being lent to our fellow human humans, human beings to our to our fellow humanity. Where I'm Jembe, that's G J E M B E, like the West African drum. Well, John, it's been great to talk hardware and software and Windows and Linux and all the things our users love. <laughs> our users are. Uh... Listeners. Our, uh, yeah. Our <laughs> I, listener. I think you have to be a Yeah, you have to be a user to be a listener, really. Um Drug take user. that however you will. <laughs> yeah. So John is it I uh, it's been a pleasure, as always. Uh, uh so thanks everyone for tuning in and listening. If it's been your turn this week, then I hope you are someone who is interested in anything we've spoken about at all. Uh but thanks for listening and until next time. You take care. Thank you.